0: Welcome to the Alex Tandy podcast brought to you by basketballnews.com. This is episode number 48, and today's episode is a bit different than usual. Uh, we're not talking NBA today. We're actually talking NFL and fantasy football. My guest is the great Adam Levitan from Established to Run. They do a fantastic job preparing you for the fantasy season. They have a great podcast, the Established to Run podcast, and their draft kit is the best in the business. So definitely check out Established to Run. Adam, thanks for joining me. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's kind of the dead period of the NBA offseason, but there's plenty to talk about in the NFL world. I'm curious. Uh, I know this is a really busy time for you. How crazy is this time of year at established the Run?
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty insane um, because, well, for a lot of reasons. First of all, like, we are speculating a lot and we are guessing a lot through most of the season, but now we have actual news and injuries and depth chart changes from training camps and preseason games so obviously we're staying on top of all that and then also you know just logistical things with the site obviously is ramping up and everybody kind of waits until the last minute myself included to kind of uh get everything set for the season and so um yeah it's 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 been crazy and and it won't slow down until october so but that's great I, i i wouldn't have it any other way
0: On your podcast and your Twitter account, you do such a great job of sifting through all these different reports to to determine what news is actually relevant and worth considering for fantasy and what we can kind of just throw away. This time of year, how do you determine, you know, what's just training camp hype and BS that we should kind of ignore and what we should actually trust?
1: Yeah, I think doing it for a long time makes a big difference. You can tell what's kind of recurring themes and which beat writers are prone to hyperbole and which ones never say anything bad about players or teams and which ones will criticize the teams. But I think generally speaking, opinions from beat writers, opinions from coaches who just say everybody is great are worthless and people get way too tied up in that. Um, I also think that a lot of the reports out there, uh, you know, people don't understand statistical probabilities that well. And so they kind of are prone to saying that uh, Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny are each going to carry the ball 20 times per game this year. That's what Seattle wants. Well, like, obviously that's totally unrealistic based on any statistical evaluation. And so, yeah, I I think that understanding the difference between opinion, speculation, hyperbole, and actual reports, i.e. Ty Montgomery is getting 100% of the third down reps with the Patriots, which isn't even true. But I'm saying if we had that report, that would be something, actual depth chart news how clouds are using the preseason? Are they lining up in the slot? Are they lining up with the first team? Actual, actual news, I think, is what we need to hang our hat on.
0: In your staff rankings at established the Run, you have Christian McCaffrey at number one overall, which may surprise some people. Uh, we'll get to your ranking of Johnson Taylor in a second, but can you explain why you guys have CMC number
1: one, why you would pick him number one in drafts? I mean... So the only reason that he's not is because everybody assumes he's going to get hurt. And so everybody is wildly overconfident in their ability to predict injuries. Christian yeah. McCaffrey is, is likely to get hurt because he plays running back in the NFL. I don't think he's any more likely to get hurt, though, than any other running back in the NFL. And, and if he stays healthy, and every let's say every running back in the entire NFL stayed healthy, Christian McCaffrey would outscore every other running back by at least 50 points, maybe 100. Like, his role is so outrageous in the pass game and in the run game and in the red zone, he's like having a literal top 10 wide receiver and a top five running back. I mean, it's it's totally insane what he's able to do. And so, you know, I'm not going to draft scared. There's nothing I've seen from Christian McCaffrey that suggests he's more likely to get hurt this year than any other running back outside of maybe his age. But he's still only 26 years old and and seems to be, he's had a full year off to get right. And I, I feel pretty good about taking Christian McCaffrey first.
0: Yeah, I think some of the biggest hits in recent years have been guys that other fantasy managers are just kind of grossed out about uh, or they've had them on their rosters and been frustrated. So like Joe Mixon last year, I love drafting him. This year, I'm going after Christian McCaffrey, Allen Robinson, guys that tend to fall just because people you know, have had them in the past and they've been frustrated. Um, so speaking of Jonathan Taylor, we talked about how you guys have him a bit lower. Uh, in your PPR staff rankings, he's at number five. Uh, and you and Evan recently discussed this on your podcast as well. Uh, most people have number one. Can you kind of share your thoughts on Taylor and why you're a bit lower on him than the consensus?
1: Sure. And, and to be clear, I do think that JT is a really, really good pick. I just think that Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and maybe Jamar Chase are better. And the biggest thing is role. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is only going to play about 60% of the snaps this year. He's only going to be in on running situations. And they'll still throw it to him on base downs. But Naheem Hines is going to play in all the third down all the third and long, all the two-minute, all the four-minute. And that really caps what you can do unless you have this outrageous touchdown and this outrageous carry mark. And so last year, the Colts were fourth in time of possession. They they were just dominating teams um, and winning so many games, even though they didn't end up winning that many games. They were winning so many games and allowed Jonathan Taylor to lead the entire NFL in carries. He had 10 more carries from inside the five-yard line than any other player in the entire NFL. I think that is going to regress. I think with Matt Ryan, there'll be a little bit more pass-heavy around the goal line, a little bit more pass-heavy in general. So, you know, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor is a bad pick. If you want to take him in number one overall, I wouldn't call you an idiot or anything like that. I just think that the other plays are better from a ceiling perspective.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, In most drafts, I find myself picking three straight running backs at the start and then hammering wide receiver after that, um, looking for high upside guys at receiver. In one league, I got Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, James Conner, another keeper league, I started with CMC, Dalvin Cook, James Conner. Um, I hate the mid-round running backs, and I really like a lot of the wide receivers in that range. And I know there's always talk about the running back dead zone and stuff like that, so I tend to avoid the running backs in you know rounds four, five, six. Um, what is your favorite draft strategy this year? Do you find yourself going RB heavy really early on too, or how do you kind of approach it?
1: Yeah, I think it depends how it goes, but I'm certainly not opposed to going running back heavy early. And it also depends on the format, you know, some of these best ball formats where you're reaching for really high ceilings. I think there's a better case for wide receivers who have more volatility towards the upside, but in like a standard home league, I'm just trying to jam in like as many touches as I can from good players and good offenses. And and when you can start with three good running backs, who you think are going to get 15, 20 or more touches per game. I mean, that's, you can't go wrong with that. That, That's a really good way to start. And, And to your point, you know, as NFL teams have become more pass heavy as they've had more three and four wide receiver sets. There are more wide receivers later that have a chance to be good. And so, yeah, there's certainly some wide receivers that I like in the middle and and in the end, certainly more than running back, which thins out quicker to your point. So if you can do it, if you can do it and you can do it with good running backs, I don't mind starting running back, running back or even running back, running back, running back.
0: Am I crazy for... Taking James Conner in several leagues because there's, I I took him in an auction league and there was like an audible groan and someone was like, oh, why would you want James Conner? I feel like people still think of him as the you know injury prone player from the Steelers and obviously he's due for some you know touchdown regression. But with Chase Edmonds leaving, I don't know. I I feel like he could have another huge year. What are your thoughts on James Conner entering this season?
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure the the downs the the negatives on James Conner. To me, the biggest negative is that he's not an explosive player. In other words, he's not going to rip off like 30, 40, 50 yard touchdown runs. I don't think he's going to have a huge, huge pass game role. He was only at 2.7 targets per game, but he's a capable runner and their favorite goal back. and what I think will be a pretty decent offense. I'm okay with James Conner in the middle of round three or so. I don't like fall all over myself to draft him, especially because if you think he's going to lose pass down work to, you know, Benjamin, I-, I think that's a concern. I would love to see them use Rondell Moore as they're passed down back also, and maybe they'll get creative and do that as well. So, you know, I, I think where James Conner goes, he's fine. I wouldn't be reaching for James Conner, I guess is my point.
0: Yeah. I'm a big bucks fan. So I was loving when Leonard Fournette was going at the, you know, mid to late third round, but in my drafts, he's been gone. So uh, I've been able to get Conner late third round, but uh, you know, speaking of kind of my strategy, I, I love the second year wide receivers and I have a ton of shares in my dynasty and my redraft leagues. You know, I, I love getting Rashad Bateman, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Elijah Moore, Kadarius Toney, Devonta Smith. Uh, Of that group, who are your favorite players to target? And are you really high on,
1: on the second year receivers? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of data that shows that players, uh, rookie wide receivers who have good underlying metrics and showed promise have big year two leap ability. Um, You know, I love Kadarius Toney. I'm really high on them. They're on the giants. They're, average draft position has certainly spiked a lot which is the point where it's getting like expensive. And the way this can go wrong is if Daniel Jones just like flat out sucks, which is certainly possible. But if Daniel Jones is at least capable, I think Darius Toney will indeed have a really nice year. I- I'm more confident Daniel Jones being okay than Zach Wilson being okay. But man, yeah. Elijah Moore can-, can really, really play. And yeah, I mean, the runway is cleared for Rashad Bateman. You know, I, I-, I'm- I think the Ravens are going to be among the most run heavy teams in the league. This year, But maybe that won't matter because it's so concentrated, i.e. they have no one else to throw to other than Bateman and Mark Andrews. And so if you get those guys up around 20, 25, maybe even 30% of the targets, I mean, that would be a total smash for Rashad Bateman. But if he's down around 20% or 15% or 17% in a really run heavy offense, that's going to be tough where he's going because, I mean, Rashad Bateman goes really high. I mean, people are on Rashad Bateman. I've seen him go in the 50s uh, a lot. We have him closer to, to 60 or so. so. So, yeah, it's definitely an interesting group. I I I do like a lot of those those year two guys on
0: your podcast. You've talked about how you're kind of all in on the Giants offense, taking a big step forward because you've stacked them in best ball league. So you really need Daniel Jones to, to play well. Uh, why do you think this offense is due to make some huge strides?
1: Yeah, I, I think you couldn't ask for a bigger coaching upgrade. I mean. Jason Garrett and, and Joe Judge were just a total debacle idiots. And then you bring in Brian Dable. And, and the same things that people said about Daniel Jones, they said about they used to say about Josh Allen. Uh, he's he's not accurate uh enough. He, he can't process reads. He's he's he has a big arm, but but he's he can't do it. You know, Josh Allen is mobile. Daniel Jones is mobile, not as good as Josh Allen at, at being mobile, but they're both big, somewhat mobile guys. I think Dable is gonna institute an offense that plays the Daniel Jones strength and they have really good weapons. I mean, you know, Galladay, Tony, um, Sterling Shepard, when he gets back, Saquon Barkley, um, they, they have some some really good weapons. I like the Windell Robinson kid they drafted, I think is going to play like the Cole Beasley role. So as long as Daniel Jones is like competent, I think Brian Dable is going to get the best out of him. Um, it does scare me though, that maybe Daniel Jones is just totally incompetent, but my bet is on competency. This podcast
0: is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including their popular state collection where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. That's brandedbills.com. The other day, you and I were talking about how you value wide receivers more than running backs in Dynasty. I was able to trade Antonio Gibson, Kyle Phillips in a second for Mike Williams and Kadarius Tony, which I was very happy about. Uh, and you pointed out that you'll almost always take the stud wide receiver over the stud running back. Uh, why is that?
1: Oh, man. I mean, this is a no brainer. You know, think about how long careers are, you know, a running back's career at most. I mean, look at Le'Veon Bell and, and Todd Gurley and yeah. and... David Johnson, all these guys, they go from the best running backs league to total dust really, really fast. Meanwhile, a good wide receiver could be good for literally 10 years. And so if you're playing dynasty, that window of their prime is so much wider. I'd also say that um, injury rates in season are lower at wide receiver. And I'd also say that replaceability is less. In other words, you know, you could sign a running back off the street right now and he could steal carries from a running back. You're not signing a wide receiver off the street and taking snaps from Big Mike Williams. Like, that's just not happening. Right. And so, um, as the league gets more and more pass centric, it's more and more in favor of wide receivers, also. And, and yeah, it's just, I mean, absolutely no brainer. And when I play Dynasty, I just like, I just hammer wide receiver and just try to figure it out and get something usable at running back late.
0: That's smart. I like that. Um, who are some of your favorite rookies to target uh, at their current ADP and redraft?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think that one of the, controversial and, and ones that's sneaky, I guess is Traylon Burks who, I mean, nobody was drafting him and nobody really is drafting him or wants to, because he had a really rough spring, you know, he wasn't in shape. He had some asthma issues. There haven't been great reports on him, but the Titans have no one else. I mean, literally no one else to throw the football to when they use first round draft capital on Traylon Burks. I I think that he's worth taking when he falls into like the late seventies, eighties. I certainly think Brees Hall is a good pick. I mean, there's not many running backs that have the profile that Brees Hall has, outrageously productive, incredible athleticism. I mean, I I think Brees Hall is going to be just fine as long as Zach Wilson is okay. Um, The sneakier ones, I think, are like James Cook and Rashad White. They don't have a clear path to a big role, but I think they'll be the pass-catching backs for their teams at some point this year and have a path to some base work. That intrigues me. And then the Sky Moore. I mean, Sky Moore was a prospect that we liked A lot. He slipped to the second round, which I think was somewhat concerning and made people not want him as much. But I don't have a lot of faith in uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Um, and so I think that Sky Moore has a chance to be a really good player with Patrick Mahomes, and that's obviously exciting.
0: Every year, fantasy analysts have certain guys that you hype up and plant your flag on. Who were some of your guys that you're all in on entering the season?
1: Yeah, good question. I I think like. DJ Moore is one that I take a ton when he's there in round three. And he's often there at the beginning of round three, where I take him, I think, I mean, to do what he's done with the quarterback play that he's had over 1,100 yards in three straight years with just awful quarterback play. He's still only 25 years old. I I really like DJ Moore in that range. Um, I take, I was taking JK Dobbins a lot when he was in round seven or so. Now I don't take him as much because he's been cleared and he's going to go Round four or five, but I had a lot of J.K. Dobbins. I take Juju Smith-Schuster a lot ahead of other people. I think Patrick Mahomes' throw rate at the slot is going to be a bit sticky, and everybody's writing off Juju Smith-Schuster just because he had some bad years. But he had two bad years and was hurt with the worst quarterback in the league. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was really the worst quarterback in the league; couldn't do anything. When Ben was good, I mean, Juju had a hundred catch season under his belt. Now, of course, I think the Chiefs are going to be desperate for that production out of Juju. So, those are certainly some guys that that come to mind for sure.
0: Yeah, I got Juju in the ninth round in a redraft league the other day, and I was very happy about that. I think, uh, I mean, where he's going, the upside is just crazy, and there's not a ton of risk. Um, I'm curious. I had a decision to make, AJ Brown, DJ Moore, or Michael Pittman, and I went AJ Brown uh, and immediately regretted it and was (laughs) second-guessing myself. What would you have done in that situation?
1: Yeah, I I started off the season kind of, the summer kind of lower on AJ Brown, but man. I mean, you can see it going really, really right uh, for A.J. Brown. Just such an outrageous talent is like best friends with Jalen Hurts reportedly getting like all of the targets from Jalen Hurts in training camp. And and A.J. Brown's done it in low volume offenses before. He hasn't been like spectacular, but he's been really, really good with Tannehill, even with Derrick Henry running the ball like 400 times. In a season. So in these outcomes where the Eagles are forced to throw more or they want to throw more, I mean, A.J. Brown could absolutely erupt. So I would take him. I mean, we have A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore back to back um, in the rankings and we have Mike Pittman a little bit lower down. So it's definitely close between A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore, but I, I wouldn't hate either one. I think I'd probably go A.J. Brown right now, though.
0: Well, that makes me feel better. So I appreciate that. Um. So we talked about the guys that you're you're all in on. Uh, who are some guys that you're completely out on or that you're recommending people avoid?
1: Yeah, the biggest one for me is Michael Thomas. And I know all the reports from camp are really good on his ankle. This is still a guy who hasn't played in two years because of a pretty serious ankle injury. And when he was dominating, he was dominating with the most accurate quarterback in the league and drew Brees on the kind of those slants and outs that Michael Thomas likes to run with Jameis now. I don't think that's his game as much. And also when Michael Thomas was dominating, he didn't have like any target competition. I think Chris Olave is going to be really good. And I think Jarvis Landry is still a really good slot player. So there's more competition now. I'm certainly out on um, Michael Thomas this year. I think Ezekiel Elliott's going to go higher in casual leagues than he is in some of these sharper leagues. But when he goes in like round three, I'm certainly out on him. And I don't even like taking Ezekiel Elliott really in round four, I think they're going to need Tony Pollard's explosive ability on the field more this year. And Zeke is just like a two down, hey, he's going to get carries and hopefully he gets touchdowns. That's like the recipe for a bad fantasy running back pick. Like you can't say anything good about him except for, well, he's going to be out there. He's going to get the ball around the goal line. You know, um, let's hope for the best. You know, that, that's not a reason for me to be high on a guy. So I would say Zeke and Michael Thomas are two guys that um, I don't really have any of.
0: Whenever I started, you know, taking like fantasy football seriously and actually, you know, reading a bunch of articles, listening to podcasts, actually paying for some subscriptions, things like that, um, it's crazy how much of a difference it made for me. I mean, I have like the Yahoo chart where it shows like your team's history and just how much it improved over time, and you can see like the year that I really started paying attention to stuff, my win percentages across my leagues just jumped up like crazy. Uh, And I look back at some of the things I used to like do or the way I used to think and just kind of laugh at how I would approach things. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see fantasy managers commonly make?
1: Yeah, I, I think that in in casual leagues, people are overrating week one too much. In other words, well, what what's people so focused on how's the split going to be between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in week one? I, I would say that in week one is like the least important time because there's no buys. We have tons of room on our bench um, if it has to go that way. and. Um, there's no money in week one. You know, all the money in these fantasy leagues is at the end. And so what's important to me is what's the split between Javante and Melvin going to be in November and December. So I would say that's a really important thing to think about for sure. Um, Overrating quarterbacks in single QB leagues, I think is something casual players are getting better at, but still do. Like these pocket passers like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Stafford or Cousins or Carr or whoever else that have like no rushing equity it's really hard for them to match up with Kyler and Josh Allen and Lamar and so taking these pocket passers too early is just I I think really 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 bad. I would also say that these running backs like I talked about like Zeke, you know, if your best argument for a guy is that he's going to play a lot of snaps, but they're going to be on first and second down. I mean, a first and 10 carry from the 30-yard line is worth like almost nothing. You know, a target is worth at least three times as much as that. So getting bogged down in these two down running backs who we're relying on just for to score touchdowns, uh, that's really really hard to win with and so I try to avoid those kind of running backs also.
0: I'm curious which QBs are you targeting this year because I feel like in recent years there were a number of late round options and you know guys with some some upside like last year you can get Jalen Hurts pretty late. Even like a Matthew Stafford seemed like a pretty a good good bet if you drafted him later on. This year, I look at it and there's Trey Lance, but there's not a whole lot. I know uh, in your guys' rankings, you're lower on a number of uh, the quarterbacks that are kind of in that range, like a Matthew Stafford, Russell mm-hmm. Wilson, like, you know, the guys that come right before the late round quarterbacks. So where are you typically drafting quarterbacks this year?
1: Yeah, I think that given the predictability and the upside of some of these elite quarterbacks, it's fine to go middle round now. In other words, like somewhere around four to seven, I'm trying to get Josh Allen, Lamar, Herbert, Kyler, Hertz, you know, something, uh, uh, something like that um, to give myself kind of separation. Cause it used to be that quarterbacks didn't separate when they're all pocket passers. They don't separate that much, but Josh Allen is like running the ball eight or nine times a game and around the goal line, and he's throwing it 40 times a game. I mean, it's literally impossible for Josh Allen to fail with that usage. So I try to get one of those guys around four to seven. If I can, I'm certainly prioritizing Hertz and and Trey Lance um, for sure. And then if it gets a little bit later, I'm fine with Russ. I'm fine with Dak. I just don't want to get it to the point where I'm stuck with Stafford or Carr Rogers or Cousins. I I think you want to dress quarterback before that. Thanks to Yerbae for
0: sponsoring this episode. Yerbae is a naturally caffeinated energy drink that's made exclusively with recognizable plant-based ingredients. There's no sugar, calories, or sucralose, so you can feel great about what you're drinking. Get the energy you need without the jitters or crash. Check out yerbe.com for 10% off. That's yerbe.com for 10% off. I'm curious, uh, we talked a little bit about the... Running back dead zone. I mentioned it earlier. For people that don't know, that's running backs that are going in rounds three through six. What's your approach to the dead zone this year? Are there certain guys that you like, or are you avoiding it altogether? You know, what's your what's your approach when it comes to the dead zone?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there can be exceptions. I mentioned Brees Hall as a guy that I like. That I guess kind of goes in the dead zone. I think a lot of the guys in the dead zone. The reason they're there is because they can't catch passes, but guys who can, such as Travis Etienne. Uh, that would be a guy that I would target in that range. But, you know, the guys that we we don't like are the guys like David Montgomery, who, um you know, isn't very explosive and isn't going to have a great pass game role. Guys like Josh Jacobs, guys like Antonio Gibson, who's losing work to J.D. McKissick in the pass game and Brian Robinson around the goal line. You know, guys like that are the guys that I think we want to avoid uh, in the dead zone. What's your
0: approach with handcuffs? Because I've seen some people, you know, target. handcuffs on their team some target the handcuffs on you know their opponents teams uh some have a combination of both and who are your favorite handcuffs this year
1: yeah i think it depends on your format you know if you're playing in a regular home league i try not to handcuff because i'm trying to like hit the ceiling with all my picks in other words in a home league like i think the waiver wire will be plentiful enough um where i can kind of churn there and just like holding a guy in the hopes that my guy gets injured is kind of like backwards thinking, right? I want to draft as if I'm right. And so if I'm drafting Christian McCaffrey, I'm drafting as if I'm right. And also like, I don't want to burn a pick on um, Alexander Madison. If I have um, uh, Dalvin cook, because I want to take someone in that Alexander Madison spot, Alexander Madison spot where I can hit a really good pick on him too. So maybe I'll take um, AJ Dillon. And then if Aaron Jones goes down, well, I have the absolute nuts with Dalvin cook and, A.J. Dillon is a starter. So like I'm just not trying to tie up spots in these shallower home-type leagues um, with a handcuff. I I get it more in deeper leagues and even in best ball when they have contrarian skill sets and stuff like that. Um, But I think for home leagues, I try to avoid handcuffing.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I've liked Madison in some of the deeper leagues that I'm in uh, when I have Dalvin Cook just because I had him last year and every time he stepped in, he was so safe Uh, and it was terrifying losing Cook. But uh, And I'm always just kind of I find myself being way too conservative in drafts. And I I wonder if you have any advice for that, because I I feel like uh, it usually I want to hammer like high upside receivers and stuff like that. But after my draft's done, I almost always look back and I go with a lot of safe type players and I'm like, man, I should have, you know, been more aggressive or look for more high upside guys. And I find myself like looking at handcuffs in that same way where it's like, Oh, I could take, you know, a high upside guy here, but I'm going to go Madison. Uh, I guess Is that something you see often where there's people that, you know, go in with one strategy and then kind of check it (laughs) out during the draft?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's terrible to take safe players. I would just think about how your team is constructed, right? So, like, I wouldn't have all safe players. I wouldn't have all ceiling players, right? You need, like, a mix. And so I think as people get more advanced in drafting, it's not just, oh, I like this player. I'm going to take him It's well. I've already taken, like, three rookies. Let me get some safety here, so I'll take someone you know, safe, uh, whoever you consider safe, I don't know, like Hunter Renfro or something like that, you know, um, I think that's totally, totally fine. So yeah, there, there's a lot in roster construction when we talk about DFS and, and stuff like that, like a barbell approach where, you know, you have uh safety on the outside of the bell and then you take some shots on, on the middle. I think just like thinking about it, your draft like that would help.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I've ha- I feel like I'm targeting a lot of like the second year wide receivers with Elijah Moore and Kadarius Toney and and some rookies. And then I also like to kind of grab like a Brandon Cooks, Darnell Mooney, some of those guys that just seem like they're going to have a ridiculous target share. What are your thoughts on on those kind of players like Cooks, Mooney, where they're kind of the only option in a mediocre offense, but it seems like they're going to get a ton of targets.
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard for sure. You know, I think we know what we're going to get from Brandon Cooks at this point. I think he's a good player. I do think Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton as a duo are are, are underrated. And so I like Brandon Cooks, but man, he goes pretty high too for a guy who we kind of know what his range of outcomes is, but he would be like a safe guy. I would consider outside of the concussion issues that he's had, um, in his career. Yeah. Mooney. I, I think Mooney can play. I, I think he's a more of a wide receiver two, ideally in the NFL than a wide receiver one, which the bears are asking him to be. And that's a lot to ask of him, but man, the bears are gonna be bad for sure. Ugh, God. I, yeah, I, I'm fine with, with Mooney like that with guys like Mooney. Um, where he it goes. could be horrible
0: though. It could be really r- rough. I mean, their offense could be just completely awful.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have the worst offensive line in the league or, or one of the bottom two offensive lines in the league and, and quarterback play is a major question, but you know, Mooney and fields definitely have some connection going and I don't hate it. You know, it's just, I would probably take other guys in that range, to be honest.
0: That's fair. Who are some of your favorite uh, late round sleepers or flyers this year?
1: Good question. I actually was working on this list. Let me give you guys a, uh, a sneak peek here. The full list will, of course, be on the site. Yeah, so I, one guy that I, I like for sure is Damian Pierce as a late running back. You know, he's going to start off the year likely behind Rex Burkhead and, and Marlon Mack. But, you know, the Texans are obviously looking to the future. And I don't think Rex Burkhead or Marlon Mack really have much left in the tank. And Damian Pierce is probably better than them already right now and if you think that this offense can be a little bit better than expected and I do I think Damian Pierce down the stretch could have a really good role. I like Josh Palmer as a late pick. I think he's the direct backup to both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in two wide receiver sets and he will play in three wide receiver sets also. Obviously I love um having guys attached to Justin Herbert who's just a straight uh baller. I like taking Albert O, uh the tight end on the Broncos because there's been a lot of Greg Dulcich talk and and I think Greg Dolchich is a good receiver, but Albert O is just such a freak talent and his underlying metrics are crazy. You can get him in like 150th overall or so now, and that that's really cheap for someone of his talent. And I think the Tim Patrick injury actually helped him as well. Last one I would say is, is Tyrion Davis-Price on the 49ers. And this one could definitely go bad. It could be a total zero. But... I do think that his like big body power is what's 49ers going to want to use this year. They did use third round draft pick on him. So I think it's at least worth a shot there in that super productive 49ers run game.
0: I like those names. Uh, would you go Albert O over like an Irv Smith junior?
1: I would have liked Irv Smith better, but then he broke his thumb, you know, right. and so uh, pass catchers who have a broken thumb scare me. Um, it sounds like he does have a chance to be back for week one. I don't know if that means as a pass catcher, or not. So if I needed help early, I would definitely go Albert O. If you think you can get by for a while without using either of them, maybe it's Irv, but, but yeah, at this point, I think I'm taking Albert O.
0: Yeah. Both guys went undrafted in my, my home league. So I had, I had to add one or the other on, uh, off waivers. Uh, so I ended up taking Irv cause I already had Zach Ertz, but yeah, mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised to see those guys available. Uh, last question for you. So I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of the Buccaneers, you know, have been since the Dilfer days. Uh, I have to ask you about my team. I see that you guys are very high on Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Fournette, Gage, Julio Jones. You're higher than ADP on all of those guys. And that makes me happy. Um, who are your favorite bucks to target in fantasy? And what do you think of their odds to win it all this year?
1: Yeah. So the reason that we're higher than them because of the market on them is because I think people underrate the pass rate that the bucks are at. I mean, they're throwing at a rate like seven, 8% above expectation, which is like totally insane. Like only them and the Chiefs are throwing at such a high rate. And obviously, like when you throw more, clock stops more, you get more plays off. It just all funnels through to all all better stuff. Also, we're talking about half PPR and full PPR spots where you get extra points for catching passes, which flows through um, as well. We are lower than market, I think, on on Russell Gage now um, after the Julio signing. And I think we're lower than market on on Julio himself also. But yeah, I certainly want to be ahead on on Mike Evans and, and Lenny Fournette. And I like what I've seen out of Chris Godwin Uh, I don't really take Brady too much, but I get it uh, on him. Yeah, I think the NFC is so weak that the Bucs have to be considered, you know, one of the favorites to get there. I think losing Ryan Jensen, you know, their starting center, who was just incredible, um, is a major, major, major concern because their offensive line was already uh, a bit weakened off last year, but... You know, I I think they'll be very very good. Uh, you know, at some point Tom Brady's gonna fall off a cliff. It's I have no evidence that it will be this year though, and so they have to be one of the favorites in the NFC. I'm
0: glad you mentioned the throw rate because I've seen some analysts say like, oh well, we don't know how this offense will look under Todd Bowles. Brusarian's gone, but you know, Bowles has said that he's going to be completely hands off and it's going to be, you know, left with his show. So basically yeah. the same as last year. So I agree that they're going to still have a crazy throw rate. And honestly, this, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause this is one of the reasons why I love the work that you guys do, because you go way more in depth. Like I know recently you guys had an episode breaking down offensive line play and, you know, there's so many things that you don't think about when you're just kind of drafting a fantasy team or you're just a football fan, but you guys are getting into, you know, throw rate, different statistics that people aren't familiar with or considering, uh, you know, offensive line play, all that kind of stuff. I feel like you guys go way more in depth than, you know, any other outlet out there. So I love what you guys do. For people that don't know, uh, you know, can you kind of share your work and what you guys do at Establish the Run?
1: Yeah, for sure. If if anybody uh, wants to kind of check out what we do, you can check out our podcast. You can find it anywhere podcasts are found. Just Establish the Run is the name uh, of the podcast, and it's totally free. And you can kind of get a feel for, for what we're about. There, and then, yeah, if you go to the site, you can dive in on everything that we're doing to get people ready for week one, and then uh during the season, we're mainly focused on d f s you know, playing on draftkings uh and Fanduel as well, and so that's a, a ton of fun and and is way uh is way more competitive, I think than season long and, and way higher stakes, but um, you know, I live for that stuff, so if anybody's interested in that we we're we're all in on that,
0: yeah, check out the podcast, check out their draft kit too. I mean, they have every kind of rankings you can imagine, uh auction values there's you know different strategy type articles about how to approach the dead zone players to buy players to sell uh rookie draft projections it's it's fantastic there's so much so many resources in there so definitely check out the draft kit uh adam thanks for your time man i really appreciate it
1: all right appreciate it thanks for having me
0: everyone check out the establish the run podcast and all the great work that they do and if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast check us out on apple podcast spotify wherever you listen and until next time thanks for tuning in